Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podsite, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo. And uh, here during the you'll be listening to this during the new year. Happy New Year, everyone. We're going to be talking about the Greek God Pan with none other than the great Ty Black. Welcome back, Ty. Uh, Hello, Carlo. It's good to be back. And uh, I would like to come on here and deny these malicious rumors that uh, I'm not actually human, but a, uh, a creature of the spirit world mixed with human flesh. And uh, I just want to say these, these rumors are malicious and uh, I do not appreciate uh, my species being slandered like this. Yes. I mean, spurious, spurious, slanderous, horrible. <laughs> Uh, we, we shall they shall be hearing from our le- spiritual and otherwise legal team. Um, <laughs> God, can you imagine ghostly lawyers? God damn. <laughs> so the, they may be dull as hell, but the, but they put in the work. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> they have eternity to work on it. Um, but yeah, so today we're gonna uh, we're gonna revisit uh, old Arthur Mackin, Mackin copies. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the Great God Pan, and uh, honestly, um, I gotta say, uh, I, I I could definitely see like <laughs> Stephen King wrote a whole book before sort of putting the experiment that happens at the beginning of this book at the end of his. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is, uh, uh, of course, this is Arthur Mackin, uh, and with this story uh, with white people, he uh, he pulled a J.R.R. Tolkien in that he, in the white people, he laid the foundation for that branch of weird fiction that I, I call the dark fantastic where it's weird, it's strange, there's a whole lot of fantasy going on, and you're filled with a dark, kind of a dark sense of awe and wonder, and you're not really sure what the hell happened. And then there's the weird fiction that's closer to a slime beast hoedown, and that's the great god Pan, which Mackin laid the foundation for that wing of, of weird fiction as well. And, uh, well, I, I've what I've heard and and reading this and reading the white people sort of uh, one after another, uh, what I've heard and I, I sort of see where this is coming from. It feels like almost they're they're the same type of story um, with different points of view. Yeah. And with uh, and going for different effects. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I, I think that um, in the end, um, I, I, personally, I think uh, the white people is slightly better uh, in that it it captures that vibe much much more for me at least. Uh, which isn't to say that that's that's sort of like um, it, it feels like I'm 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 damning uh, the great god Pan, but. I found this to be great. I, I, I mean, it's in the title. Uh, well, there's uh... <laughs> that took me a second. <laughs> 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 you know, you know they're, they're, both of them are you know uh, top ten greatest horror stories of all time. It's almost like uh, you know you, you got your you got your. Uh, you know, there's two types of people in the world. There's your great God pan folks, and then there's your white people folks. 
I skew a little bit more toward the uh, the great god Pan, but uh, good lord, the white people is such a phenomenal story. It is so good. It really is. But but, but we've already covered that story. So <laughs> we, we should probably focus on the great god Ben. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I, th- I think the 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 um, what's interesting, at least stylistically to me, uh, is that um, and, and I think you'd mentioned uh, and, and we'd both sort of checked up on the history of this. If I'm remembering correctly, the uh, Machin sort of was raised in uh, Wales um, for a while. Like he, he lived in Wales for a while as a child and he um, stumbled upon uh, this ruined Roman temple at, I'm going to say Kerwent. uh, If that is not how it's pronounced, excuse me, English people. Um, or, or Welsh people, I should say, uh, uh, which he believed was dedicated to the god Nodens. Uh, and uh, part of part of what's struck me about this is that this is very much uh, a tessellated or a mosaic type story, uh, which I'm sure is <laughs> if you've looked at any Roman ruins, you, you realize that mosaics were very big. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so this is like a story that is made up of tiny pieces that, um, tell you specific parts. They're more or less in chronological order, uh, but they don't fill out anything. They don't spell anything out and you are sort of, um, invited to put the pieces together. I mean, I don't know if that's that was your experience, um, Ty, but but that's more or less what I came up with after finishing it and going like, huh, interesting. Oh, indeed. There's so many different ways that he approaches the narration, like he goes into omniscient at one point, and then you have letters and you know, fragments of the documents recovered from an estate. And it, it it ties in, it ties together beautifully, but it leaves so many spaces wide open where mm-hmm. he is where he is most decidedly not talking about certain things because that's the core of the story. Mm-hmm. And if he had been talk, and if he had you know spoken openly about what he was trying to say there the story would have been banned for pornography and uh, it it tarnished his reputation at the time because of how scandalous the story was Mm -hmm. uh, and transgressive back in the day. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, people were were hitting their fainting couches upon reading this. (laughs) Monocles popped out uh, (laughs) as they read this. (laughs) Um, but, but I mean, we, we joke, but, but honestly, this was like a dangerous time. Like he, um, I think we covered it briefly in, uh, in, in our, uh, episode on the white people, but he was like contemporary with the, uh, the Oscar Wilde trials and, uh, he, he got lumped in. I mean, I I say lumped in, Uh, I think he, he sort of also accepted, the um the the name right uh, of the was the decadent movement um and this story definitely uh you know got him noticed uh in rather unpleasant ways uh if i'm remembering correctly he couldn't even really publish anything for a while uh it wasn't until later um Part of this, actually, the novella that we we're covering here, uh, The Great God Pan, um, was like, I think the first chapter uh, appeared in 1890 in a magazine called The Whirlwind. Um, And the third chapter, uh, The City of Resurrections, uh, was uh, published the, the following year. And that's once he saw both of those, like, uh, I guess in print, he he sort of figured out the rest of the story 
and he wrote the entire novella, I think, except for the last bit, uh, all like in, you know, in a just a bad dash. I forget exactly what how, how long it took him. It wasn't it wasn't very long. I think I think he he published it with a uh, thematically similar short story in eighty four, I believe. Yeah the the in the inmost light, which yes, I can't I can't I confess I can't uh, say yeah I can't say that I've read it. Uh, being a mocking newbie myself, so. Um, <laughs> But also, uh, interestingly, uh, it does seem that he took some um, inspiration from an Elizabeth Barrett Browning uh, poem uh, that features the great God Pan as, you know, more or less in every verse, uh, a, a poem that she wrote uh, called A Musical Instrument, uh, which I, I can I can read like a couple of um, a couple of stanzas or whatever, uh, you know, like. Uh, you know, what was he doing, the great god Pan, down in the reeds by the river, spreading ruin and scattering ban, splashing and paddling with hooves of a goat, and breaking the golden lilies afloat with the dragonfly on the river. And so it's basically, he tore a reed, the great god Pan, from the deep, cool bed of the river. The limpid water turbidly ran as the broken lilies a dying lay and the dragonfly had fled away ere he brought it out of the river. And, you know, the, 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 the uh, poem is, yes, yeah, it's, it's lovely, but it's also like, um, it's got like disturbing imagery, right? It's, it's uh, right in that second, uh, that second stanza or verse. Um, basically he, we're, we're, putting pan alongside uh you know causing death right uh yes. a chaos and i think that this is something that the story is doing as well right uh what was i was trying to remember what was the phrase in in revival that king uses when uh when they they meet up in the oklahoma uh, county fair it was like it wasn't uh seeing the elephant it was something else like when you go to a carnival and you see the big thing uh i am completely blanking on that i want to say that i remember this but it could be a false memory for all i know uh i know exactly which line you're referring to and where it takes place in the scene, but I cannot recall what the line, what the line is <laughs> yeah i mean uh, I, I just wanted to point out that it, it is funny to me that um, King uses it uh, in a similar fashion, right? Uh, that that particular line uh, is used more or less in the same way here, where it's to see the great God Pan was to see like the spirit world, essentially, right? Be open yes. to the spirit world. And, and like I, I joked that um, – Stephen King like put a whole book in front of uh, the experiment that takes place at the beginning of this one, but but it's I'm not particularly wrong. And the he elaborates on the experiment here, where here um, Machen just basically has a young orphan girl that's been saved from basically the street being used as a test subject, right? Uh, a, yes. And he presents like this weird uh, mad scientist character. I believe the scientist is called Raymond, right? Dr. Raymond. Yes. Uh, um, which, you, you know, you and I, we usually struggle to remember characters' names. Uh, for me, at least, it's just brutally hard <laughs> to remember anybody's name in this outside of uh, Helen. Um, <laughs> But yes, the story opens with uh, just a, a my favorite kind of mad scientist. It's like, we are going to use the physical sciences to prove the supernatural. And it's like, oh boy, yes, yep. that's the good stuff right there. That's the good stuff. Well, well it's, it's very mad scientist, but by way of like weird uh, neoplatonic philosophy and alchemy, right? Yeah, and of course, so, Mackin, Mackin was briefly a part of the uh, Order of the Golden Dawn or whatever that uh, uh, I forget if that was Crowley or Bovaski. No, no, that, which, which, yeah, that, that was, that I, was yeah, Crowley. I think it was Order. Yeah, I think that was Crowley. Uh, he was contemporaries with him. Um, 
I, I, I have a, I have a, somebody was mentioning that, oh, he's friends with Crowley. He's like, I don't know that he was friends with him. He sort of hated that Crowley was using his work to, to further his own shitty, whatever club. Yeah, Macken didn't, Macken didn't stick around very long because he, he saw that it was a grift. <laughs> Oh no, Alistair Crowley's made a right a rightward turn. He's done his post he's become a post left occultist. Oh no. Uh, what is uh, what is trying to be the wickedest man in the world, but uh they they they're canceling me because they hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if if Crowley really wanted to make a rightward shift, he he could just be become like like a priest. That that's <laughs> you know, I, I've I've made I, I've gone I've gone the post left. I'm I'm beca- I'm worshiping God now. <laughs> uh, anyway, the, the, the real transgression is being Christian, don't you know? <laughs> they're, they're, well, I, I I keep on hearing Ty that that they're horribly horribly victimized the world over, oh, absolutely. <laughs> especially, especially in the United States, especially in the suburbs. I mean, my God, you can't go uh, can't, oh, can't stand yeah, outside yeah, yeah. Without, the, without the desk without the uh, the, the gender neutral death squads coming for you. Look, uh, Ty, you know why can't people just say Merry Christmas anymore? Okay. <laughs> silencing me silencing erasing my culture by making me say happy holidays um but but yeah anyway uh so so i i i did find that the um there's some vibes here that uh become very clear very quickly that dr raymond and his little foundling mary um yeah i think um i think there wasn't um there wasn't that uh, arm's length relationship happening there, which is kind of gross. <laughs> yes. When he's yeah, when he sits her down in the in the chair uh, after he's done like an experiment, or when he's about to give her an experiment or do an ex- perform an experiment, uh, give her an experiment. Um, <laughs> yeah, he just gave her like the the baking soda volcano. <laughs> um, <laughs> Before sitting down, uh, no, no. Uh, before she lies down, he he kisses her, and uh, she she's she lays down, and uh, basically she sees the great god Pan. Uh, he doesn't really describe what uh, what exactly the experiment is. It does sound like it's probably some sort of brain surgery or something to that effect. Um, he doesn't describe it very much. I think he describes something about like uh, cutting away the 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 scalp. Uh, and that's more or less where he leaves it. And once she is uh, brought back from seeing the great God Pan, she is just completely out of her mind. Like, just goes sort of catatonic. It's uh, he, he uh, recreated the, the lobotomy with extra steps. <laughs> You only needed a little ice pick. <laughs> That's all you needed, buddy. <laughs> and, and then, and that's where that that thread, for the moment, ends. And we go to uh, another character who we. Who, uh, well, it's it's uh it's the the guy who was wi- who was invited, Mister Clark, uh, who witnesses the the experiment. Uh, yes. From there. And then, like it, it just jumps around. It it feels like it's almost like a contagion, right? Because he keeps on sort of jumping from one person to the next, and later on, um, we we get background details that there's like this rash of suicides that are happening throughout uh, London, right? Um, and. Uh, you know who, who and it, they all have sort of like a patient zero, which uh, we we later find out you know why that is right. Uh, exactly. But but go on ahead, yes. And uh, I, I think this this line is from a critical piece I uh, I read literally five minutes ago. He eventually ties in. You know this we have these 
upper crust Victorian gentleman, you know, mysteriously committing suicide left, right, and center. And they tie and they tie it, and uh, Mackin ties it into the Whitechapel investigation of Jack the Ripper, and <laughs> and it kind of shows the hypocrisy of the society there, in that the death of the rich would draw more attention mm-hmm. than those of uh, of poor women, poor poor women sex workers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, well, and, and it it also, I would argue that it also invert through that observation. It inverts who is like it it observes how that upper crust of society is eager to invert who the victim you know like sort of who the victims are in this situation, right? Because in, in Whitechapel, it's very it's very clear, right? They're poor basically sex worker women um you know so they can be ignored but in this upper crust society all these gentlemen dropping like flies left and right when whenever they visit a specific woman who is considered a uh, a very you know like a very um central part of high society uh who holds parties um it's immediately apparent that she is to blame. Yes. So uh, in a way it's, it's observing the, the hypocrisy of how that quickly inverts the higher up into society you get. Right. Like it, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say that like, for instance, like those sexual mores that, um, that you know higher class victorian people used to have is you know like sure there was sex and everyone's having it and everyone's a freak like a freaky kinky uh hedonist but you didn't talk about it and you certainly didn't let anyone else know about that yes and you and you put a, a, a the, the the face you showed to the public was all uh queen and country and uh, and uh, god and the church of england <laughs> yeah, yeah, and children just uh, mysteriously appeared, uh, spontaneous generation, <laughs> spontaneous generation. Well, it's it's like the uh, the worms in the cheese. They just sort of like uh, yeah, they just sort of appear in the cheese. Um, but uh, 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 but I don't remember ahead. which I don't I don't remember which character uh, this is, but they meet an old friend. Who was an up and comer in society, and it turns out that he has been ruined by his wife, and he is now homeless, roaming the streets. And uh, Charles Charles Herbert, if I'm not mistaken, yes, uh, yeah, Herbert. Herbert, who was like, yeah, like like the the group, like Clark and Austin, uh, both knew him. They, he came up with them uh, through school and everything like that. So they are like of a cohort. Um, in society, but now as a result of uh, a some bad business uh, that happened at his house where uh, another gentleman apparently was found dead in the street. Um, the <laughs> his face contorted with fright uh, in some in such a way that uh, I think Scotland Yard basically attributed the death to, to just he died of fright, which, you know, it's always happening in these gothic. Uh, <laughs> people die of fright all the time in these gothic stories, right? It's one of those times where I genuinely want to know if that's even possible. Hmm. I mean, I, I could imagine having like a heart attack at the moment, right? But I don't know. Yeah, that that might be the the, the way to it. Um, and and. Uh, and so this guy you know, goes on, talks about how he was ruined by his wife, which <laughs> ain't that all of us fellas? Am I right? Am I right? Um, <laughs> and uh, and it's just very, it, and there's no details there. It's just very specific, and he's very recalcitrant to say exactly what the horror is. Right. Which. <laughs> right. 
which is Mac and starting to work on that. That uh, <laughs> uh, negative space there. Starting to draw. Yeah, to, this to, is to draw the outline of what he's talking about. Right. This is very much um, in that same vein that uh, Lovecraft tried to also do, right? Which is the unspeakable uh, horror that, I mean, in, in Lovecraft's case, it's funny because he nevertheless, you know, tries to you know, give you several descriptions <laughs> that are not, that are almost like nonsensical or don't fit together. Uh, here, Machen just sort of completely eschews any any attempt to describe what is happening. Uh, I think that, to his you know, to his credit, I think he understood that uh, whatever horror you can imagine is probably scarier than what he could write. Yes, and the guys, the the description that we do get at the end. It's not even a page long. Is so evocative and and still allows the brain to do its thing Mm -hmm. by making it short. Yeah, yeah, it it is. It is wild that he does actually. um, He he does pull pull aside the curtain briefly, just to give you a glimpse. Uh, and, and it is, it is appropriately sort of like unsettling and gross and very, um, very, uh, sort of like, uh, visceral and down to earth, uh, rather than sort of trying to go for something numinous or, or, you know, I don't know, something different. Uh, but yeah, I, I do love that, um, one of the the central characters that you don't realize is sort of like somebody that is as central is uh, Helen Vaughn, right? Uh, who who immediately starts to make uh, appearances even in that second part, and they slowly piece together, you know, like uh, stuff that has happened and that she's been sort of like present uh, and or involved. Uh, and it turns out that the the um, the very um, social butterfly who is holding parties uh, at her house and you know all manner of high society is you know invited to go and so on and so forth turns out to be Helen Vaughn's house, right? Uh, yes. Uh, the same, and, and we find out that this is, this is the same Helen Vaughn who was uh, married to Charles Herbert. Uh, she's just yes. reverted. She's reverted to her, I guess, her maiden name or another or an, another assumed name. I'm not sure. I, I don't know what it is about this story, but I cannot keep track of the names to save my life. And usually I'm the one who remembers everybody's name, uh, <laughs> uh, whether I want to or not. And so, yes, they make the connection that uh, and very slowly figure out that, oh, here was this artist over here who uh, was very promising, who knew who knew Helen Vaughn under, I think, a, another a different name, and then he was started painting these, you know, terrifying macabre pictures, and then he died and he committed suicide, and mm-hmm. this woman just keeps popping up wherever these suicides are. She just so happens to be, you know, in the area. Who knew? (laughs) And so they, uh, through uh, discreet inquiries, one of the characters traces her history back and discovers that these mysterious incidents and deaths and mental breakdowns have been happening around her ever since she was a child when her uh, adoptive father sent her off to live with another family. And and the kids at first loved her, and then they did not want to be around her. She'd take them off into the woods, into these Roman ruins, and then all of a sudden the kid's like, I don't ever want to see her again. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, also, uh, it, it's it's hinted uh, later on that uh, apparently, like as an adult, I'm guessing, right? Although, you know, I, I'm not sure um, that she also seems to be sort of equal opportunity. She uh, does not say no to men, women, whomever. Right. Uh, yes. And that's part of that's considered to be like uh, almost scandalous. Right. I, I would also imagine that that outside of the story, uh, this was also considered super, super scandalous because like, I mean, like, let's face it, uh, Oscar Wilde went to trial for for, you know, basically being a homosexual. So. Yes. Yeah. Let, let's not forget the time period. Uh, the o- the only way uh, the only way Macken could out scandalized uh, Oscar Wilde, uh, particularly in this story, would have been somehow referencing the female orgasm. <laughs> Nonsense. That hasn't been discovered yet, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! This is a story about bad science. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining like F- Freud just getting like frothingly mad if, if that were like that does not exist. <laughs> um, so uh, I do love that um, Helen is also presented to be a little to be a little ambiguously ethnic, uh, if I may read a little bit. Right? Oh God! Um, I I I. I- I literally, when they dropped that, the, that they were assuming she was Italian, I literally just stood up and cheered. <laughs> yes, yes. If there, if there is a weird person in a weird fiction story, they're going to be, they're going to be, it's going to be assumed that they're Italian. It's like, yes. <laughs> we need, we need hey. to bring that back into modern weird fiction. Yes. <laughs> more, more, more Italians. Um, <laughs> Hey, I make it the horrors. Hey, I make you go a suicide. Huh? Um, so anyway, okay, this is a description of uh, Helen, right? This girl who was a year younger. I'm sorry. This is uh, when we're talking about like her childhood, right? This girl who was a year younger than Helen was considered by most people to be the prettier of the two. Though Helen's features had to a great extent softened as she became older. The two girls who were together on every available opportunity presented a singular contrast. The one with her clear olive skin and almost Italian appearance, and the other of the proverbial red and white of our rural districts. It must be stated that the payments made to Mr. R for the maintenances uh, for the maintenance of Helen were known in the village for their excessive liberality, and the impression was general that she would one day inherit a large sum of money from her relative. So anyway, that that sort of like just gives you an idea that Helen is sort of she looks a little ambiguously ethnic, you know. Um, Can't I have that society? You know what I mean. <laughs> she kept on she kept on uh, telling whenever people came to her parties, she had to train herself out of like pinching her fingers. Hey, you want to eat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, manja. She she practiced hours for uh, hours a day to. Uh, talk while keeping her arms at her side oh my god could you imagine uh the the scandal erupts as uh helen vaughn uh basically becomes a professor of italian studies but she's not really (laughs) italian (laughs) becomes the 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 rachel dolezal of italian american (laughs) studies um, she gets she gets canceled in the evening uh, the evening gazette. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, no, it would it would need to be like some weird uh so one of those weird old timey words like I don't know the the London Frobisher you know I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like extra <laughs> extra ear all about it. Here in the uh, London Frobisher, <laughs> so-called Italian heiress. Anyway, I, my my Cockney accent sucks ass, but anyway, you get the idea. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I I do actually love how um, the the slow build up as they start 
sort of piecing together um, little fragments of this and that without ever like directly, <laughs> directly asking, like approaching Helen, because I guess they're too afraid of her feminine wiles. I don't know. You know, I just I just want to drop a, a, a little note here where, gee, it, I guess that was a, just a major fear. It, brief sidebar before I go back to my note there. I guess that was a major fear of uh, a woman whose uh, seductive powers you were helpless to. But uh, when I was listening to this and uh, and then rereading it, I was like, wow, this is a great setup to a, a vampire story. Well, mm -hmm. apparently I got that exactly opposite. This was a major influence on Dracula. Hmm. <laughs> it's like once you see how like the story is told, you start seeing like, okay, I can clearly, clearly see how that would have an influence on uh, Bram Stoker and how he constructed his novel. Right, right. It it does have a similar structure in the sense that it's it's not really a narrative. Like it is epistolary, right? Uh, Dracula is. Um, this isn't strictly epistolary, but it is very like there are some epistolary parts right at the end. Uh, but but it is very sort of fragmented in that same fashion, right? Yes. Um, uh, uh, the the story even goes into uh, omniscient at one point. Mm, yeah yeah um but yeah like I, I i do sort of love that he maintains this tension uh that that these gentlemen are slowly they, they keep on talking to each other and running into each other and you know you you get this feeling of even though a lot of these uh chapters you know like the the city of resurrections uh and and onward a lot of these chapters are, are filled with conversation right they're, they're not there's no real action but you you get this sense of movement which is interesting right uh yes. the things are happening uh that that are referenced in these uh conversations and that they've been you know like this is like after something's happened they get together and talk about it you know that type of thing um, and, and which this, is uh, okay here here here's what i found out what what have you found out and this exchange of uh, mm, information mm. to where which where you're experiencing that piecing together at the same time as the as the characters themselves yeah yeah exactly or or they they may miss something and you're sitting there going like buddy you're missing this point you, yes. like at you as a reader are going like you're you're missing this thing you know uh we which is great because like uh, it you know, there there needs to be for that tension to to maintain it itself, right? Uh, there there does need to be a little thread of dramatic irony where you know just slightly more than the characters, or at least you know like it's funny because there there is sort of like an almost um, genre expectation uh, uh, dramatic irony where you realize the type of story you're reading, but the characters have not. <laughs> So, so it, there is that disconnect and you get that sense of discovery and that thrill of like, oh God, they're, yeah, they, they don't know this yet. And so, yeah, it's funny because I was just thinking because uh, essentially, even though we as the audience know it's a horror story to the characters, it's a mystery story. And in a mystery story, it's like you want your detective to be smarter than the reader. And, of course, and there's this game between the text and the reader of where they're trying to outsmart the detective uh, to mm -hmm. see you know, who's, the, who's the biggest, cleverest clogs there. Uh, but when you flip that around, <laughs> you get horror and you get foreboding. <laughs> you get a sense of dread. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, right, right. I mean, and that's, I think that that's also part of the, um, the, sort of the mastery of this entire novella is, in fact, maintaining the outline only for as long as possible. And even the, the part that, that we're going to get to in a, in a couple of minutes when I finish here, um, even the part that he does reveal is just sort of opens even more questions. Um, 
and unsettling questions at that, right? Uh, yes. And and I, I also want to say that uh, I mean, big big spoiler, right? We we find out near the end that uh, Helen Vaughn is none other than Mary's daughter, right? Like not long after uh, Mary basically succumbs to the experiment. I mean succumbs sounds like final but she was like basically catatonic or or just completely unresponsive at the very least and it's never explained exactly um but it feels almost as if this is uh similar to that uh the idea that Machen presents in the white people right this idea of uh mo- like moral contagion from like this pagan entity, right? This, this not this thing that does not exist within, uh, you know, the the capital C Christian framework, uh, yes. which is what the great seeing the great God plan is, right? It's seeing the reality behind all of that, right? And um, to a certain extent, uh, one of the readings of the white people. Uh, is that the girl by seeing the statue, uh, uh, the the pagan statue of basically, uh, I guess, a fawn having sex with somebody, uh, becomes pregnant herself, right? Um, and that's like the 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 problem that she has later on in life. Here, Mary, uh, the way I read it is that Mary becomes actually pregnant from seeing the great God pan and like the, the supernatural entity or uh, entities. I don't know Uh, the supernatural in general, the capital S supernatural has impregnated her. Here's where I have to drop a source and uh, I haven't vetted this or so. I know nothing about the, the blog I'm about to mention or the writers. So if they're, if they're shit heels, I apologize, but uh, in this one instance, they wrote a great article. But um, Matthew David uh, Surridge wrote a great article on the at the Black Gate, where he p- kind of points out where this is you know, where the idea of eternal progress, where you know when capitalism meets Christianity, defeating our pagan roots. This, as you were saying, is an inversion in that you have a Virgin Mary becoming impregnate, impregnated rather than a in a in sexual in a sexual act rather than the virgin birth to this diabolic being of Helen, who is female rather than to Christ's maleness. Mm-hmm. And so there's well, this yeah. regression to that of a, of a, this ancient thing that we thought we had buried is going to consume us once again. Yeah. Well, I, I've also heard, uh, I forget exactly where I read it, but I heard that one of the interpretations is that Helen is basically a, 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 a you know, a woman antichrist, basically. More women antichrists. Yeah, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, But yeah, like she's supposed to be like an antichrist figure. Uh, uh, Fuck Damien. Let's get more Helens. (laughs) Look, 30 30 diabolical Helens agree (laughs) that we need more women antichrists. Um, (laughs) That's some real girl bossing right there. There you go. Yeah. Um, Let me see. Where, Where is the. There we go. So, okay. So, um, the, the, uh, there's a couple of suicides where, uh, it's, it's pointed out that essentially the person tied a rope, uh, around their bedpost and had like a sliding knot or, or hangman's knot, um, uh, noose and basically hung themselves off their bed, bedpost, uh, just like, uh, sitting down and suffocating them, like strangling themselves to death with with a rope. Um, I mean, honestly, pretty ballsy uh, <laughs> for you not to 
not to lift your hands and try to just not have that happen. But hey, you know, uh, I guess I guess uh, the 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 inhuman strength of madness or something to that effect uh, is is something that we we should be thinking about in this story. Um, but but uh, I do like that. Uh, essentially, the I forget is it Clark who who. Uh, I forget exactly who it is that basically says, I'm going to go and basically convince her to, to do the same thing. Basically uh, choke herself out with a rope. Suicide um, or exposure. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, and let me see. Is this the one? Yes, here it is. So uh, we get this part at the end, which uh, I had referenced earlier, which is like just great. Uh it's so it's so off-putting and it still holds a little bit of that alchemical uh, uh, flavor to it, right? Yeah. So um, here it is. So, all right. So as was befitting, I did all that my knowledge suggested to make sure that I was suffering under no delusion. At first astounded, I could hardly I could hardly think, but in a minute's time, I was sure that my pulse was steady and regular, and that I was in my real and true senses. I then fixed my eyes quietly on what was before me. Though horror and revolting nausea rose up within me, an odor of a corruption choked my breath, I remained firm. I was then privileged, or accursed, I dare not say which, to see which was on, which was on the bed, lying there black like ink transformed before my eyes the skin and the flesh and the muscles and the bones and the firm structure of the human body that i had thought to be unchangeable and permanent as adamant began to melt and dissolve i know that the body may be separated into its elements by external agencies but i should have refused to believe what i saw for here there was some internal force of which i knew nothing that caused dissolution and change here, too, was all the work by which man had been made, repeated before my eyes. I saw the form waver from sex to sex, dividing itself from itself, and then again reunited. Then I saw the body descend to the beasts whence it ascended, and that which was on the heights uh, go down to the depths, even to the abyss of all being. The principle of life which makes organism always remained while the outward form changed." So essentially, it's just like a weird, like desperately shape shifting and and like try. It feels like almost like a desperate attempt to get away from it, right? Yes, a, a, a devolution, uh, if you will. Mm -hmm. and, and my God, just so masterful, so masterful. Yeah, it's. I I also love that the uh, doctor's name is Robert Matheson. I had I had to look up Richard Matheson's name just to make sure that it wasn't like he didn't assume a name. <laughs> yeah, that was my thought as well. That was my thought as well. <laughs> because uh, you know, once you once you you know, looking into Arthur Mackin is kind of like going mad from the revelation of uh, the true nature of the universe, and that you start see, seeing his influence absolutely everywhere from. Indiana Jones to World War One folklore to uh, weird fiction and and thinking that uh, horror authors got the maybe got their name from his stories. So. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, it's 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 weird because once you start reading Machen and start seeing, you know, like it feels very much like uh, what is it, the Velvet Underground? Yes, uh, you, know, the, yes. you know the phrase. The, the, oh, yes. Not yeah, like the Velvet Underground wasn't a huge band, but everyone who listened to them formed their own band, um, and and Machen definitely feels like he inspired others to write in conversation with him, or uh, you know just like took certain aspects of his writing and ran with it, right? I mean, to, to this day, I'm still, what is it? The, the, I, I know that I've mentioned revival, uh, several times already. Uh, but I do find it very telling that I, I believe it's right on the, um, sort of like the epigraph, right? I'm sorry, the acknowledgements at the beginning of the book where King is basically you know, like doing a, a just greatest hits of, of, 
of uh like weird and and horror fiction and gothic fiction as well uh you know mary shelley Bram stoker lovecraft clark ashton smith donald wandre uh, fritz leiber august derleth shirley jackson robert block peter straub and arthur machen whose short novel the great god pan has haunted me all my life like the man the man wrote uh i would say probably like 200 to 300 extra pages <laughs> to put in front of his own his own riff on uh Bakken's the great god pan right you know i have the you know i mentioned at the top of the show that that quickie thing of uh of Machen pulled a tolkien you know and that tolkien created the both high fantasy and grimdark at the same time. Uh, and at least as far as fantasy reading, it's hard to find uh, an author who can get darker than Tolkien. A lot of children of Huron and the, uh, the Silmarillion. But it, it finally occurred to me, it's like, you know what? I need to take that a step further. Arthur Mackin is the J.R.R. Tolkien of horror for his just the sweep of his influence and his effect on damn near everything here because it would almost be easier to list uh the authors that Mackin hasn't influenced in horror <laughs> than it would than it would be to list the ones that he's influenced yeah i yeah i it is it is pretty weird right because it's it's this weird um and it's i i feel bad because i think that Machen himself didn't think that he he set out to like what he set out to achieve in the great god pan he felt that he felt he fell very short of it um but i i can see uh, go ahead which when you when you're working with this vast scale as Mackin is doing and just uh, his unbridled ballsiness and uh, ambition, he of course he's gonna feel like he failed. Right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, and I feel bad because like I think he he did pretty good. <laughs> like, like uh, it's like and and, and I I I, to, I think. You have to be one of the all-time greats to like land the degree, just uh, one of the greatest horror stories of all time, and the, and he did too. He did at least two. <laughs> mm, right. Well, I mean, I, I would I would argue that like even something like uh, shit. I, I was just I I barely remember it now because I read it a, a couple of years ago, uh, but. But even the um, is it A.M. the the antagonist in Ghost Story and Straub's Ghost Story uh, seems like a riff on Helen Vaughn, uh, like her her own her own like ability to shift and change and stuff like that feels very much in line with this. Um, it's just like it's 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 everywhere. Like it, I think to your point. Um, once you read Machen and if you vibe with that sort of like um, that sort of transcendental quality uh, where you're invited to put together mysteries, uh, capital M mysteries that uh, Machen is sort of like hinting at and stuff like that. Um, it definitely has a different feeling than outright horror, but you can definitely understand why people like this lit people's brains on fire, you know? Uh, absolutely. Especially since, uh, you know, by not mentioning it, he's speaking, he's talking and discussing very loudly uh, sexual stuff. It, of course, it's going to stick in people's brains, especially in that repressed age, and even in our our current repressed age. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, uh, you know, uh, we've been we've been singing the praises of Arthur Mackin, but you know who doesn't sing the praises of Arthur Mackin, uh, Ty? Oh, no. There are a series oh, of people no. that live in a horrifying alternate dimension uh, who, who were able to communicate with us via this horrible, awful review site. I'll you not see, name it because it's 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 its name is indescribable. You see, this 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 is this is where Mac and missed the boat. It's uh, it's not the true horror isn't uh, you know the pagan gods mating with our women and having kids and children. It's the thundering ignorance of people in the in the internet age. That so, <laughs> truly horrifying and mind breaking. <laughs> okay, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, so I'm gonna read a couple of one star reviews. Uh, just, just uh, some of these are great. I, I, honestly, they, I, I, I can't. I, they make me laugh so much. Uh, <laughs> some of these have like some weird uh, metaphors. Like here, here's one. Reading this book was a bit like eating a salad made with bottled dressing instead of one made with virgin olive oil. Is there such a thing as experienced olive oil? Is it, this is something that that uh, aside from me, uh, are they t- trying to go like for like a uh, uh, John Oliver type of thing? Uh, I don't know. Does Olive do something naughty with Popeye? We're never told about all that spinach makes a man, you know, strong. Maybe she couldn't resist the old ugly, the ugly old git. Okay, so uh, this is the a person that thinks that uh, Machen was friendly with Aleister Crowley. Um, here's another one. (laughs) Uh, whatever the hell was going on with the society when this was published, this, a sensation underwhelming. See, now, now I'm reading underwhelming in the same tone as a Morton Joe passing you by. (laughs) Underwhelming. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to uh, skip ahead just a little bit. It says the story centers around a hypomaniacal sociopathic butcher of a transcendent surgeon who spews lots of bullshit and proceeds to act on it. Okay. No, no real lies there, but also like centers. The rest of the story is not about this guy. <laughs> Dr. Raymond makes an appearance. No, no more than like he only appears in that first part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Even though he's, he's, <laughs> here's he's, a short. Here's a. Sh- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm no, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, here's a short and sweet one. <laughs> I love this one. My disappointment is immeasurable, and my day is ruined. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, you have no uh, wonder in your soul, there, uh, buddy. <laughs> I do like this one star review that at least uh, says something very, very uh, pithy. Helen slays so hard. Everyone's obsessed with her. (laughs) (laughs) It do be true, though. It do be true. (laughs) (laughs) They say that. Uh, Here's another. Oof. So this this is one of those horror titles you're bound to hear about, especially if you're a fan of the classic. So after years of resisting, I finally decided to give it a go. Did I enjoy it? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, this, this was um, when I came back to horror. This was one of the first short stories uh, I read when I came back to horror. Um, and I was just plunging head, head first into the pulps and all the shit I missed from the, the early 1900s and then the late 1800s. And damn, this, this story set my brain afire. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can I can imagine it, uh, but but I mean, uh, to be fair, uh, it is it is a little challenging uh, if you are used to sort of like the the more uh, mainstream stuff that that is you know generally what is on on the menu these days, right? 
Lots exactly. of stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm talking genre stuff more or less. Uh, I can't really speak to, uh, you know, more literary or exper experimental stuff out there. And I'm certain that there is. And there's plenty of challenging stuff out there being made right now. But at the same time, like what is mainstream beach read type stuff? If you're a beach read type of reader, this is going to be very challenging for you because it doesn't really tell you what happened. You know, for for all that people that people love to use that uh, show don't tell, they they really love to be told exactly what happened. <laughs> exactly, and I'm trying, and I'm thinking of like the beach read, the beach read novel of this book, and and and, and the author in that instance is going to pull their punches for. Uh, a mainstream audience and so the uncomfortable ambiguity and transgressiveness of Helen's body's bodily transformation is going to be so fucking lame because they'll, 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 <laughs> they'll essentially try to make it unproblematic and, well, yeah. And so, and so, so gender won't be a part of it. Um, mm. so, so, you know what? Let, let's play this out. Okay. So, the, so the gender won't be a part of it. It'll be strangely sexless. Uh, despite everybody being single, thirty, and making a hundred k a year, over a hundred k a year, doing some job nobody's ever heard of. Um, okay, so. What do you think the bodily transformation would be in this case? Uh, Helen becomes trans, and that's the horror. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not trying to be reactionary here, but but I it feels like uh, something that would become very, um, very weirdly uh, just like not not a great vibe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like by trying to avoid like the the you know what what we would consider politically barbaric nowadays in the old uh, Victorian attitudes, they would somehow find a way to make it worse by not falling into those traps. And then proclaiming them, and then they, then they'd sell it on Twitter as being the unproblematic great god pan. Well, uh, no, no, it would be uh, called um, uh, Helen and the terrible, horrible, no good, <laughs> very bad god pan. <laughs> oh god! We've. <laughs> We've we've come up with a book to to make uh, our buddy uh, and uh, extraordinary critic uh, Zach just incredibly angry. <laughs> I, I can I can I can feel his eye his lower eyelid twitching from here. All right. Well, anyway, he uh, why he's mad yet? But <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's not aware of it. Um, but uh, but yeah, so. I, I, can I recommend this to everybody? No. Uh, if you really, really want to read something, it's a little challenging, but uh, very, I think, very well, uh, like I said before, very well observed um, for the time period. Uh, and sort of like, uh, you know, wh what were the anxieties? Uh, you know, because a lot of the time that's what horror uh, of a time is dealing with, right? Just like all speculative fiction, uh, you know, the, the, the author is dealing with an anxiety that is, you know, like present in their time period and they're worried about it and they're trying to work it out. Right. Uh, not to psychologize too much, but, but it does always feel like, uh, you know, things, you know, it, there's a lot of stories that are, you know, very much, based on you know the present you know it's uh, i think it's attributed to asimov is like what is it um what if uh if only and if things go on uh are the three aspects and all three of those sort of like basically uh presume that you're talking about the moment right now 
Yes. So and, anyway, and, uh, I and, would and recommend he, this to anyone who's a fan of Gothic. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, oh yeah, a strong recommendation. Um, uh, and that, I'm 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 going to be even more militant uh, in my recommendation in that uh, you will read the Great God Pan until you can uh, 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 appreciate it fully uh the way the author intended um, <laughs> but, uh, if you want visualizations of the great god pan will continue until morale improves yes. <laughs> um and uh if you want to get into author mackin more generally uh oxford university press puts out a gorgeous edition of the great god pan and other horror stories and let me just open it up to the table of contents here because you've got all the hits you've got the white people you've got the shining pyramid which is just bloody fantastic uh you have in the the bowman the white uh and the the story that was paired with the great god pan the inmost light and so uh, highly recommend picking up the Oxford University Press edition. Just a fantastic bloody book. Yeah, I've I've heard good things about the three imposters. Um, all right. Well, anyway, uh, Ty, thanks again, man. Uh, thanks for 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 coming back and talking about this almost feels like a companion piece to revival. <laughs> the amount of times I've, I've mentioned it, uh, excluding this one, this one last time. Uh, but uh, it kind of it, it kind of turned into like a, a season of of Mac because uh, I think the white people episode dropped in October, I believe, and here we are in mm -hmm. Dece December. Yeah, uh, yeah, talking about Mac and so there we go. Well, who knows? Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I'll choose another Mac and to to check out uh, and and Absolutely. talk to you again. Absolutely, excellent. All right. Well, Ty, thanks again for for coming back and and talking some more mocking with me, mocking some jokes at Arthur's expense. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like uh, any last thoughts before we go? Um, uh, just remember to worship Pan accordingly, and uh, there's no better time to start doing that than at the new year. And yeah, like uh, obviously, Pan, the great god Pan, he he loves uh, appropriation. So please worship him. It doesn't really matter who you are. You don't even you don't even have to be Italian. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, Ty, thanks again, everyone out there. By the time you're hearing this, I want to wish you a happy, uh, well, a happy New Year. And uh, may the, God, the great God Pan listen to every one of your resolutions and make them come true. We'll catch you next time here on Podside.